TED Audio Collective. Here's a phrase I'm sure you've used at least once in the last year. I'm so burned out. Burnout is real, and many of us are experiencing exhaustion in both our professional and personal lives due to the pandemic and several other forces. But do you really know what burnout means? If you open up the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the first definition for burnout is the cessation of operation, usually of a jet or rocket engine. And you know what? I like that definition because I feel like I walk around like a jet without fuel about to crash all the time. But sometimes we can be burnt out and not even realize it. That's where our talk today from the Nagoski sisters comes in. This is TED Business. I'm Madupa Akinola. Now let me introduce you to twins. Identical twins, to be precise. Dr. Amelia Nagoski and Dr. Emily Nagoski, who together wrote a book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. They sat down with TED curator Chloe Shasha Brooks to offer tips on how all of us can get better at recognizing and addressing burnout in our lives. And one thing you'll learn, you can't beat burnout alone. So after the talk, I'll explore that a bit with a very special guest. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, TED Business listeners. We're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools. Tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. 
Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Let's dive right in. You co-authored a book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And the inspiration for this book was actually based on a personal experience that you had with burnout, Amelia. Can you tell us more about that experience? Well, it began uh, with me going to school. While I was getting my doctorate of musical arts in conducting, I ended up in the hospital and I had abdominal pain, which they diagnosed as stress-induced, told me to go home and relax. And in fact, I had no idea what to do, but luckily I have a sister who has a PhD in health behavior. So when I'm in the hospital, just in pain, laying there, not even really understanding how I got there or why, and I honestly didn't even believe that stress could cause physiological symptoms. And Emily said, how did you not know that? I'm a conductor and a singer. I have learned in my musical training to express my feelings with my body, to use my body as a vehicle for expressing emotion. And it occurred to me that if it was true that I didn't just have those feelings on stage, I had them all the time, my whole life. And if that was true, Wow, that was a lot of feeling. So I didn't even want to believe this was true. But once Emily brought me a huge stack of peer-reviewed science, I couldn't deny anymore, yes, stress manifests in the body and can turn into symptoms of illness. So, okay, well, let's start with some definitions. What are the three components of burnout? So according to the original technical definition from Herbert Freudenberger in the 1970s, burnout Uh, which originally was inclusive only of the workplace but has expanded now, involves depersonalization, where you separate yourself emotionally from your work instead of investing yourself and feeling like it's meaningful. Decreased sense of accomplishment, where you just keep working harder and harder for uh, less and less sense that what you are doing is making any difference. And emotional exhaustion... And while everyone experiences all three of these factors, over the 40 years since this original formulation, it turns out that, broadly speaking, for men, burnout tends to manifest as uh, depersonalization in particular. And for women, burnout tends to manifest as emotional exhaustion. So anyone can experience burnout, but your specific way of experiencing it is probably going to be different depending on who you are. And the factors that lead to burnout are not just professional ones. They are parenting and social activism and anything where you need to care and invest, where there are ongoing demands that are unmeetable expectations and unceasing demands. That is the formula, no matter what context it's in, for burnout. Your work is around the stress cycle and how we can complete it. So will you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. This is my favorite part. So the main thing people need to begin with is that there is a difference between your stressors, the things that cause your stresses, which is what Amelia was talking about, uh, the unmeetable goals and expectations, your family issues and money, those are your stressors. And then there's your stress, which is the physiological thing that happens in your body in response to any perceived threat. And it's 
largely the same no matter what the threat is. And evolutionarily, we know the threat response as being the fight, flight, freeze response intended to help us run away from a lion. So when you're being chased by a lion across the savanna of Africa, uh, what do you do? You run, right? <laughs> so you use all this energy that happened in your body, all this adrenaline and cortisol. Every body system has been activated to help with this escape from the perceived threat. Your digestion and your immune system and your hormones, everything is focused on this one goal, including your cognition, your problem solving is focused just on this one problem and it will not let go because your life is at stake. But you manage yeah. to get back to your village and the lion gives up and you jump up and down and shout and people come and listen to you tell the story and yog each other and the sun seems to shine brighter. And that is the complete stress response cycle. It has a beginning when you perceive the threat a middle where you do something with your body and an end where your body receives the signal that it has escaped from this potential threat and your body is now a safe place for you to be. Alas, we live in a world where the behaviors that deal with our stressors are no longer the behaviors that deal with the stress in our bodies. We are almost never chased by lions. Instead, <laughs> our stressors are the capital T, capital F future, or our children, or a commute <laughs> is like the classic example. The stressor, when, when people have commutes, uh, it's one of the most stressful parts of their lives. And your body activates the same adrenaline and cortisol and digestion and immune system. And you finally get home, right? You have dealt with your stressor. Do you suddenly jump up and down and feel grateful to be alive and you, the sun seems to shine brighter? No, because you've dealt with right. the stressor, but that does not mean that you've dealt with the stress itself. This is mm -hmm. excellent news because it means that you don't have to wait for your stressor to be gone before you can begin to feel better because you can deal with the stress while the stressor still exists. Good thing because most of our stressors are what are called chronic stressors that are there day after day, week after week, year after year. And I hope people are like, okay, so how do I complete the stress response cycle? And we have a list of like a dozen concrete, specific evidence-based ways to help people deal with the stress response cycle. But just taking the example of a commute, you are you get out of your car or you get off the bus and your shoulders are trying to be your earrings and you're grumpy and cranky and still thinking about the jerk who did I don't know what. And uh, what you do is jumping jacks in your driveway or you go for a long walk around the block or you just tense every muscle in your body standing outside your apartment door holding your breath, tense, tense, tense for a slow count of 10. And even just that little bit of using your body is what communicates to your body that your body is now a safe place for you to be. You have to separate dealing with the stress from dealing with the thing that caused the stress. And this need to deal with the stress in a separate process from dealing with the things that cause your stress is why the doctor's telling me to relax was not going to be an effective means of recovering from burnout. I had to deal oh. with the stress in my body. And if, say, let's say you get out of your car and instead of doing jumping jacks, you just say, okay, I'm going to relax now. Relax now. 
you <laughs> relax. Not effective, right? You've relaxed, but you haven't you haven't changed your body's physiological state into one of safety. Totally. On a first question from the audience. Okay, from Facebook, someone asks, "How do you know whether what you're experiencing is burnout or something else?" Yeah, ask a medical professional for sure. And there's a lot of overlap between burnout and lots of other experiences. Uh, including depression and anxiety and grief and rage and repressed rage. We've all got it. So our layperson's definition of burnout is, as you said, that feeling of being overwhelmed and exhausted by everything you have to do while still worrying that you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you are struggling even to get out of bed and get the basics done, that goes beyond burnout. Burnout is where you can show up for work, but you spend your whole day fantasizing about being at a different job. It's important to know that um, burnout is not a medical diagnosis. It's not a mental illness. It's a condition related to overwhelming mm -hmm. stress. So it's not like it puts you in this different state where you're going to be you know, trapped and you have to have 13 years of therapy and whatever. It just means that you need to be completing your stress response cycles. Work burnout is just such an important thing to talk about, I think, for so many. Um, and, and I'm curious if we can focus on that for a moment. Like, What are some of the earliest warning signs of professional burnout? Let's say there's two kinds of people. There's Emily people who are aware of what's going on in their bodies at all times. And if they have signs oh. of burnout... They notice it just right away because that's how they do. And then there's people like me who never know what their body is experiencing. I didn't notice yeah. I was burning out until I was literally in the emergency room. But one of the things that causes burnout is our inability to recognize the hard stuff welling up inside us. And the solution is to be able to turn toward the difficult feelings with kindness and compassion and say, oh, I feel stressed. I feel unreasonably angry right now. I'm so cranky. I wonder why that is. And instead of just trying to like tell yourself to relax, ask that feeling, why are you there? What do you need from me? What has to change? Yeah. One of the primary barriers to listening to your body is a fear of the uncomfortable feelings that are happening in your body. One of the things I say over and over, we say it over and over in burnout, is that feelings are tunnels. You have to go through the darkness to get to the light at the end, right? Feelings are tunnels. Stress right. is a tunnel. You got to all the way through it. Not that the stress is bad for you. It's getting stuck in the middle. That is bad for you. Never having an opportunity to take your body through the cycle. One of the reasons why people don't do that is because they feel afraid of their uncomfortable internal right. experiences. When I first started learning this stuff explicitly, we grew up in a family where uh, uncomfortable feelings were not allowed. And the idea that feelings were tunnels, I was just like, uh, I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure that uncomfortable feelings are caves with bats and rats and snakes and a river of poison. And if I begin yeah. to experience my uncomfortable feelings, I will be trapped forever in the dark with yeah. the rats and the bats. I began a practice of noticing when my body was experiencing a sensation, allowing it to be and allowing it to move all the way through. And as wow. I practiced that with gentle emotions, I began to be able to practice it with more and more intense emotions, both positive and negative intense emotions. So that now when I'm confronted with big, difficult stuff, I 
trust that my body will go all the way through the feelings without uh, me being trapped in the dark with predators. And I started doing it 20 years after Emily did, but it's never too late. (laughs) You can always recover. How can you talk to your manager or supervisor about the fact that you're experiencing burnout and get real support? If you're in a workplace where you don't feel like you can say to your boss, my mammalian body is having mammalian needs and I need to adjust my work situation to accommodate the fact that uh, I live in a monkey suit, know that we consult all the time with gigantic corporations that are making active efforts to incorporate acknowledging people's emotional and physical needs checking in at every meeting saying, where are you at? Asking people to become aware of and more clear in expressing uh, how they feel and promoting the idea that managers should be ready to cope when their supervisee comes in and has a bunch of feelings that they need to process and move through. So it exists. People are working on it. I feel optimistic. And I also know that there's a lot of workplaces that are trapped in this sort of like industrial, super patriarchal, rabidly individualistic uh, mindset where you just need to protect yourself against the toxic culture by creating a bubble of love at home where everyone in your household Mm -hmm. cares for your well-being as much as you care for theirs. How can people who feel truly stuck, take a first step towards wellness. And and how do you define wellness too? We define wellness as the freedom to oscillate through all the cycles of being human, from effort to rest, from autonomy to connection. And we always say that the cure for burnout is not self-care, cannot be self-care. How can you be expected to self-care your way out of burnout? You can't. What you need is a bubble of love around you, people who care about your well-being as much as you care about theirs, who will turn toward you and say, you need a break. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to step in in that way, or even just give you 15 minutes for you to yell about whatever the problems you feel at that moment and just be on your side and go, yeah, I can't believe that happened to you. I'm so on your side for 15 minutes. Just that can give you enough of a release to feel a little bit better to take one more step. The cure for burnout is not self-care. It is all of us caring for each other. We can't do it alone. We need each other. Making that happen in real life is, of course, easier said than done. Um, And one of the things that is my little reminder to myself is that when I feel like I need more grit, what I actually need is more help. And when I look at Amelia's life, and I think she needs more discipline, she needs more perseverance, she needs to work harder. What she actually needs is more kindness. That's the baseline culture change that's going to end burnout forever. And usually the next question people ask us is, I don't have anyone like that in my life. I am the leader. I am the one who's doing all of the things. And the solution for that is probably closer than you think. I mean, I grew up in a household where feelings were like not allowed and we were not close our whole lives. And then we started reading the research that said that connection and sharing support was the way out of burnout. And we started trying and we like broke down this 30 year barrier of 
you know, societal and family pressure not to like feel our feelings around each other. And it turns out that if you feel like you're isolated, there's probably someone on the other side of that wall, it turns out, who wants just as much as you to connect with someone else. And we've been isolated because we've been told that it's it's stronger to be independent. That's not true. It's we're going to be healthier and stronger when we work together there's probably someone already waiting who also wants the kind of relationship that you are desiring. I think that's just so nice to hear too in the pandemic when we're all feeling so isolated. But we have one final question we'd like to bring up. Okay, what can you do about burnout if you are a teacher where every day is filled with stressors? I taught school for five years. That's how long I made it. I burned out after four years and then I pushed through one more year. If you have any possible means of reducing the everyday stressors by getting involved in administrative decisions, that's great, but that's almost never the case. The thing number one is to complete the stress response cycle. You can exercise if that works for you. A good night's sleep will do it. How do I get a good night's sleep when I have to get up at 5 a.m.? You have to go to bed earlier, and that means that your whole family has to give you permission to go to bed earlier. They have to cherish your sleep the way you cherish theirs. You can use your imagination and imagine yourself pummeling all of the stressors into the ground, and you recover from that because your imagination doesn't know the difference between pummeling the stressors in your imagination versus pummeling them in real life. And you surround yourself with a bubble of love other teachers who can support you and tell you, yes, you deserve care. You are a valuable, educated, wonderful human being. You are not just, you know, Darth Vader dealing with these kids. You are a valuable person who deserves resources, who deserves care, who deserves love, who deserves freedom to oscillate. Thank you both so much for joining us together and for teaching us about burnout and the stress cycle. This has been really illuminated. So thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks Running Shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning. It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better than ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. Doesn't it feel so freeing to know you can't self-care your way out of burnout? And isn't it kind of fun to imagine what your bubble of love might look like? For me, I literally see a huge pink balloon full of smiling faces of people I care deeply about and who care deeply for me. But a question I had after listening to this talk was, what should these people in your bubble of love ask you or do or say when you're burned out? 
Since I study stress and have researched techniques to help reduce stress, I wanted to model what it looks like to support somebody who's out of jet fuel. So I asked one of my TED siblings, Chris Duffy, who is also a member of the TED Audio Collective, to join me. I thought he'd be a good guest because he juggles so many things. He's a comedian, television writer, and host of the podcast, How to Be a Better Human. And it turns out, being a better human can be pretty exhausting. So we sat down to talk about his sources of burnout. And as you listen, pay close attention to the questions I asked him. Hello, Chris. Hello. Okay, so tell me, what 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 are you feeling burnt out about? Like, uh, what's bef- burning you out? I'm feeling burnt out on a few things. I think one of the okay. one of the main things that I feel like people don't understand when they hear that I'm a comedian um, or a TV writer is that uh-huh. you know there's all the like fun, great, exciting parts, but the biggest change is like you are constantly applying for jobs, right? It's like Yes. When I was a teacher, you applied for jobs once every few years. And now I yes. every single day I'm submitting mm. for things. And when you're getting stuff, when everyone's saying, yes, it's really exciting. But when you're in between things and you're submitting over and over, and a lot of times you don't even get no's, that is so, yeah. I just feel very burned out on the like, I, I know that this is the way you do it. I know that you have to just yes. keep sending out your scripts and keep trying to get booked on things. But oof, it's. At a certain point, you just feel, I have sometimes the feeling during the day of like, is the internet broken? Maybe Google is down. What are some of the emotional or, you know, psychological or even like bodily responses you feel when you're feeling burnt out for you personally in this Yeah, situation? for me, I mean, I, I think the biggest ones for me are I start to feel very tired, like lethargic. And then going along with that, I start mm-hmm. to be like, this doesn't matter. Right. Like I, I'm doing all this work, mm. but it's pointless. I, I could have just gone outside and sat on a chair in the park and had like a nice outdoor day. And it would have been more productive because I at least wouldn't have felt bad. Um, and I right. I kind of know that's not true, but that's how I feel. It's like I am doing all this work and putting my nose to the grindstone for nothing, for no results. Got it. Got it. Well, and that's almost how you're processing it. But like emotionally, how do you feel like as a human? I mean, Mm. is it like anger? Is it frustration? Is it what are some of the emotions you would associate with that? With how you feel? Yeah, I I think it's for me, it's less anger. I'm not I I have trouble accessing anger. I'm very much like I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to like me person. So um, me too. I think it's yes. Hello. Hey, is it a surprise that two people who host podcasts have that? (laughs) I think not. Hello, hello. I think it's kind of a like uh, an exhaustion with myself. It's almost like the physical and the emotional exhaustion. I actually keep on, on my desk. I've had this up for years. I keep a little like a reminder of these these things where I'm like, these are the five things where if I do this in a day, it's always a good day, right? So I have laugh hard, eat well, learn something, go outside, meet someone, and if I do even if I do three of those five, I have a great day. I love that. And so here's the thing, though. When I, listening to the talk, I think it's everything that they said was wonderful. But that, to me, is an example of self-care. And I think we need a combination of this self-care and bubble of love. You know yes. what I mean? Often, we are stressed because we care about something. Yes. There is an underlying reason why we care, but that underlying reason is hard to access. Mm-hmm. And so if we go back to your stressor and what is causing burnout for you, you said 
it was, well, repeat to me what you said it was. Yeah. I feel like the, the main stressor for me for burnout is applying for things or asking for, to, to be on things or be involved in projects and then not hearing back. So having to put myself okay. out there a ton without getting responses. Okay. So that is the stressor. Now, why are you applying to these things in the first place? Well, part of it is, it's just the natural way that you, that anyone has to do work as a comedian is you have to ask to be on shows if you want to perform. Um, and then part of it is I have worked on a few long-term TV shows, writing, and now I'm not on one. So I'm doing more short-term freelance type stuff. So that requires a lot of asking and, you know, you get a job, but then the job is six weeks. And so it's a great job, but it's a six-week job. So you have to be applying differently. And, and that why is kind of you, the nature of this. Why do you want to be on shows? Well, because when I am on them, I find it extremely creatively and personally fulfilling. I, I love working with, you know, I love being in a room full of other writers, making each other laugh and, and creating something. That, that is like my favorite thing in the world to do. My least favorite thing to do is the process of getting into the room. So that's, that's kind of the trade why do you like creating things? And what is it about creating things that you like? Well, um, I definitely love external validation. That's for sure. So I like to make people laugh and to have them be like, you're so funny. You're a good boy. Give me a little pat on the head. Um, but I also just really like um, I, my creative process. The one that I enjoy the most is collaborative. So I can do things all on my own and I can write and, and come up with stuff, but it's so much more fun and joyful to be in conversation and in dialogue and in partnership with people. Um, and, and that, so that's, this is a really structured way of getting that. And why do you like being in conversation and dialogue with other people? Mm, this is great. These are great questions because <laughs> it keeps going deeper. And let's find out. Uh, why do I like being in dialogue? Well, I think that I like to understand other people's experiences and other people's interests and passions. And I like to be surprised. And I almost always am when I actually listen to other people and hear what they're saying. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the heart of it. And why does that do something for you? I think it's about finding the human connection, right? The idea that you have these feelings and thoughts, and sometimes it feels like you're completely in your own world and you're I mean, this is the, the the bubble of love and support, right? It feels like you're your own little bubble. And then you find out, oh, that other person is in the same bubble and I didn't even realize it. And all of a sudden you have this connection and um, feeling of, of the sense that we, that you're not alone. I think that's kind of the, the core of it. So, see, this is what like, so one of the reasons why what we just did was kind of, I call it the why dance, mm -hmm. which is like for every thing you identify or every, as I said earlier, you're stressed because you care. But if you mm -hmm. go get to the deeper underlying reason why you care, then it kind of lightens the load in some ways. Mm -hmm. So if each time you were sending out these um, uh, applications or, or applying for, for a gig and you kept on asking yourself, why, 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 why? Essentially, here's what you would hear. I'm doing this because it's fun. I like to be in dialogue with people, to understand other people, because it allows you to have a human connection and it allows you to have a bigger sense that you're not alone. 
that like that takes it away from well actually hearing that repeated how does that make you feel i i my honest first reaction to that is like i it's so hilarious that i'm like i feel like i've reached a, a new profound understanding and that we're both inside closets while we're having that conversation <laughs> that like two people over the internet locked in closets could come to like a profound understanding of the need for human connection is at least to me feels wow that's really beautiful so yes i i feel that um and also it's kind of surprising i don't i don't think that i even remember saying those things in that way to you but that that feels very true so imagine you kept reminding yourself of this each time you had a moment of of burnout, mm. how what what does that? So let's so tomorrow. So as you approach what you're going to do tomorrow, mm-hmm. tell me more about how you're feeling then. Well, I think that even just that frame, right? Even just what we've done, and I shouldn't say just, even that big important frame, it changes the way that I think about it because it's not like I am. And I am sending out my scripts or I am asking to be, uh, if someone can let me be on their show next week, I'm not asking about that because I want to self-aggrandize or because I want to be important. I'm asking because I want to connect with other people. I want to have this like deep human experience that I think is very uh, relatable and also universal. And that just makes me, it makes me view it in a much different way where it's not, it's not like self, it feels a little less self-serving. And it also, it feels a little less, um, Petty is almost the word that comes to mind. Yeah, um, yeah it feels important. Yeah. And I wanted to do that because I think that then it, it goes, it gives you more perspective, and you go from the minutia of what you're actually doing and what's burning you out to the big picture reason, which is ultimately aligned with your purpose. I mean, I also hear you saying that y- y- your work is making the world a better place partially because it allows us to not be alone and to connect with each other in a fun way. That's some good stuff. Yeah. That's although don't you, stuff. Here's my question for you. The, uh, like sometimes I feel like I get the perspective and it's great, but then sometimes I can get the bigger perspective. And in the bigger perspective, I'm like, my problems are so small compared to the world's problems compared to other people's issues. Like it almost feels, uh, it almost feels like obscene to be worrying or burning out about the things that I'm burning out about when there are people who are working on such more important things. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So to me, I I think COVID has really helped me understand that a bit better. And by that, I mean, we all have emotions. We all have stressors. We all have pain. So why am I going to minimize my pain because they're bigger issues. It's still the same thing. It's still fundamentally pain. It's still fundamentally stress. It's still fundamentally whatever. So I feel like we need to move away from being like, oh, but it's not a big deal because the, you know, there are ch- starving children in the world. No, it's bothering me. It's making me stressed out, which then makes me less productive and then makes me sick. So it's pain is pain is pain. Let's not um, aggrandize one more than another. Now, I do think it's important to understand like champagne problems, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, but let's not minimize it. Like COVID was hard for everybody. It doesn't matter. It was hard. And can we acknowledge that instead of like denying it? I mean, my biggest question is like, so can we do this every week? This seems great. Like, <laughs> tell me what my copay is. I'll sign up for it. It's great. 
no copay for you, Chris, because I owe you for coming on to the show today and being willing to talk so honestly about your journey with burnout. To get to know Chris even better, you can subscribe to his TED podcast, How to Be a Better Human, where he talks to all kinds of people about how to improve ourselves and show up for one another. That's it for this week. This episode was produced by Cosmic Standard with the help of Asia Simpson and Eliza Smith. It was fact-checked by Eliza Solomon. Our mixer is Sam Baer, and special thanks to Anna Phelan, Grace Rubenstein, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.